welcome to the Cloud Pod, where the forecast is always cloudy. We talk weekly about all things AWS, Google, and Azure. We are your hosts, Justin, Jonathan, and Peter. Episode 65, recorded on March 26, 2020. The Cloud Pod opens the Azure front door. Hey, Peter, how's it going tonight? I'm surviving. Locked up in my hole here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And somewhere in an undisclosed location in, in San Francisco and somewhere in an undisclosed location on the East Bay, we are holed up uh, from COVID-19. So it's uh, it continues, unfortunately. But, uh, you know, things are going to continue to lock down for most of May <laughs> at this point. So we'll see uh, how this goes here as we continue down the path uh, towards this. But I did see, unfortunately, tonight New York has surpassed uh, many other cities <laughs> in number of count, uh, which is not good. So they're blow, yeah, they're blowing up. I saw New Orleans is blowing up too, uh, which is unfortunate because uh, I think it might be tied back to Mardi Gras celebrations, which is unfortunate. Oh. That might dampen future future Mardi Gras, unfortunately. Well, uh, I mean, let's just jump into. Oh, actually, we should talk about where Jonathan is. Jonathan's out tonight. He's uh, he's not feeling well, but he does not have COVID nineteen. He has a back problem. So you know, that's. I mean, normally I wouldn't share that, but in this time of COVID, we should probably say he's just hurt his back <laughs> versus, <Yeah. laughs> versus uh, actually uh, has something more serious because uh, he's on some some pain medication. And he didn't feel comfortable recording with us tonight. So we will let him have a pass tonight and he can take a break and hopefully feel a little better uh, working from his uncomfortable desk chair at, at his house. <laughs> Ergonomics are important, even at home, if you don't know this, Peter. You know, if you saw the chair I sat in at my desk at home, you would whip me <laughs> it's the least ergonomically correct chair you've ever seen but what can you do and now i'm here for a little while so we'll see how it goes well let's talk about covid19 a little bit more uh microsoft teams and slack and zoom and webex have announced uh, pretty record growth uh, in the last couple of weeks uh so of course web conferencing chat systems and productivity tools are seeing booming business uh, because of this remote from work from home uh, culture we're now building out uh, microsoft and slack uh, have released some metrics around their growth microsoft teams gained 12 million active daily users between march 12th and the 19th the service overall has 44 million active users in total and that is more than double the 20 million it had in november uh, so overall it's growing at a record pace. And then uh, Slack has also done well, though, despite the fact that it's part of Office 365 teams. Slack paid install base grew by 7,000 customers from February 1st to March 17th. Uh, in comparison, they added 5,000 total customers their most recent quarter. Uh, so basically in a month and a half, they did more than an entire quarter of growth. Incredible. Yeah, that's just absolutely crazy. Uh, then on the web conferencing, teleconferencing side, WebEx said they had processed 5.5 billion meeting minutes during the first 11 days of March. The activity eclipsing to 3.2 million meetings, uh, million meeting minutes per day. And Zoom is believed to have added more than new users since the start of 2020 than during all of 2019, uh, with 2.2 uh, million new active users in 2020 versus 1.99 million in 2019. That is some crazy growth. So uh, hug ops to all these guys who are keeping their systems up and running and doing a really great job. I've been on Zoom call every day back to back to back and they've all been rock solid other than occasional network blips which i don't think is really their fault yeah and i mean it's not just business use i've personally been on like three or four i haven't done this ever in my life and i've had three or four happy hour conference calls where we're on web conference calls either zoom or google meet or facetime hanging out with a group of friends and catching up and my wife just purchased uh, the paid version of Zoom so that her and her uh, friends in Kansas City could spend more time together. So I think I think this is really just, you know, people sitting at home make them realize 
all the people that they miss. And this might be a trend that continues after the COVID-19 scares over after people realize what they've been missing out on. Yeah, it's very possible. You know, it was interesting. I saw, uh, you know, before the COVID-19 thing, you couldn't, you could buy those Facebook portals pretty much anywhere. They couldn't give them away. And now they're sold out everywhere because <laughs> everyone's picked yeah. up these Facebook portals. And, you know, I'm sure FaceTime from Apple is just all, you know, super high growth and Hangouts as well. They haven't released numbers yet, but, uh, you know, everyone's looking for different ways to communicate and to collaborate. I actually was looking for a webcam today because my, uh, I, the laptop wasn't good for my ergonomics. <laughs> and so I, I've moved to my external monitor for my mind monitor, but I don't have a webcam. And so every time I get on a call where I need a webcam, I'd open my laptop, which is unfortunate. Yeah. So I was like, oh, I'll, just, I'll just pick up a, web, a webcam real quick. And they're sold out for miles. <laughs> and they're like two or $300 on Amazon. So I, oh my God. I, I pivoted to getting a USB-C to USB-A adapter and stealing the one from my wife's computer because she's not using it. So that's <laughs> a much better scenario. That's awesome. It's an interesting time. So yeah, I, I, I'm glad to see people taking advantage of this web conferences, though. I think it's web conferencing tools because they're available to them. They're super easy to use. It's not very expensive. Uh, like Zoom's, I think, for the, the step above free. And the free tier is actually pretty good. You get 45-minute calls uh, on Zoom free version. So, I mean, that's pretty great. Well, I think they cap out at like six users, though, or something. Yeah, but I mean, like for most families, that's probably relatively good. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, for $15 a month, you can get you know, up to 100 participants in a meeting. That's what uh, I have now. And have a meeting for 100, minutes, <laughs> 100 participants for 24 hours. I mean, that's yeah. a pretty serious meeting. You can watch each other sleep. Yeah, yeah that's what I have. On the, I hear that's what they have on TikTok these days. Just watch while you sleep. Yeah. Yes. That's what we're out of. Webcams and bidets. Brilliant. <laughs> well, uh, while you were in Mexico, we talked about uh, the new Amazon certification for databases. And we mentioned that it would have been really great if they had uh, announced virtual proctoring for all of the uh, tests. And uh, apparently that has now come out. Uh, since all the testing centers are closed and will be closed for the foreseeable future, uh, all of the tests have now gone to online proctoring. Uh, and there's a pretty high demand, though, for this online proctoring, so it may take you longer to schedule that test. Uh, so AWS certification is extending some of the expiration dates in some cases uh, and extending retirement dates for some of the legacy tests, including the Certified Solutions Architect Associate and the AWS Certified Big Data. Uh, and if you had vouchers purchased through their voucher program, uh, those are also being extended out uh, so they don't expire during this COVID time. So lots of options there, but uh, definitely take advantage of that online testing if you've been you know, procrastinating going to a facility or you're planning to do it at reInvent, you can now do it early at home as long as your desk is clean and sterile and the room is sterile <laughs> and you can show a webcam that you can show your room around to because uh, they're very picky. I was one of those procrastinators, so hopefully I'm able to uh, get my stuff renewed. I've got two, I think, certs that are coming due on April like April 7th or something. So hopefully I can sneak them in. Otherwise, I'll have to pay full price. And Well, like I said, they may get extended just because they are coming up so soon. So definitely check the portal. It might have already been extended for you. My, I checked mine this morning. Nice. Uh, mine had not been extended, but mine, mine doesn't expire until November. So I, I have to Oh, okay. you're fine. Yeah. 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 You're not going to be nice to me. That's okay. <laughs> Moving on to uh, additional AWS news. Amazon Guard Duty has had a price reduction. Uh, that uh, is if you're using a lot of Guard Duty. <laughs> In particular, over 10,000 gigabytes per month of data will now cost you only 15 cents per gigabyte uh, versus the prior 25 cents per gigabyte. Uh, this pay cut is definitely great for these customers who are heavily using Guard Duty. Uh, and they're also offering more log file optimizations with fewer events being processed for threat detection and lowering your costs for all Guard Duty customers, which we talked about previously where they're, they're seeing common patterns and common scenarios where they can combine those alerts into one. 
So you don't have to pay for as many alerts, but you still get the same value of that threat detection that they're doing for you. So that's really great. Uh, so both of those are now out and available for you. If you're over 10,000 gigabits per month, you're getting a discount. And if you're using some of these other optimizations, uh, those will also be cheaper for you for all tiers. You just want all those types of services to be free. And I know that they can't be, but that's what you want, right? You just want to feel safe. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes they're free that you get stuck to them and then they, they up the price like Google does. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes free is good until it's not free until it's not free yeah you know we mentioned here on the show a couple weeks ago too that we'd seen some rumors on twitter about cloudfront propagation times and uh they've now confirmed this in a blog post uh generally they say aws cloudfront doesn't talk externally about performance improvements or blog about them uh and they don't really believe in talking about them because they believe there's still work to be done and they want to improve it further um, they've announced several. They've done several recent backend changes that have made a larger improvement to deployment configuration, and the changes uh, through their entire network. And regular punching bag Corey Quinn has even said that the things are much much better, <laughs> uh, as he's seen in the last few weeks. Uh, so before this, they averaged between 17 and 35 minutes, and now they're reliably pushing these changes within five minutes. Uh, improvements were broken down to improving the DNS services, uh, which just had to do with the database they use, uh, eliminating the two-step propagations. Uh, so they were doing a full database copy originally, then they went to kind of a hybrid model with snapshotting, and now they've moved to a completely differential model, which allows them to get that timeline down to much, much less. So that is great, especially if you're trying to just uh, expire an object in CloudFront cache. That won't take forever now. I've always thought it's been a really performant and cost-effective solution. But it was just so ironic that like the the whole purpose of the service is to efficiently uh, deploy and distribute content. And then the fact that the changes are uh, more efficiently uh, deploying their the content they need to run the service is kind of ironic. Uh, but I've always liked the service. And this is awesome that they're getting rid of these things that uh, that make it a little bit painful to use because otherwise it's so cost effective as compared to its competitors out there. Yeah. And it's a big way that competitors can, can you can attack them too. Like, well, you know, you're, you, you deploy a CloudFront change it take 45 minutes. You deploy the wrong code or you put something out there that you shouldn't have on the CDN that's public. You can't fix it for 45 minutes. That's a problem. <laughs> so it's definitely Absolutely. a security concern. It's a, there's a bunch of things. So being able to shorten that down uh, to five minutes is really fantastic. Amazon QuickSight has launched the new image support on dashboards and more. Uh, you can add these images to dashboards through the Insight Editor. This allows you to insert images, logos, hosted, and accessible via public URL or intranet URL to be rendered within the Insights narrative. They also can be resized as needed, conditionally shown uh, based on certain conditions, like, hey, things are going down, you want the big frowny face, you can do that. Uh, or things are going up, you can have the big smiley face. Uh, you can also use hyperlink from these images to dynamic URLs, and you can also compute minimum and maximum values on data fields within your data sets, allowing you to determine insights such as first order placement and last transaction timelines within the chosen category, uh, which all can feed into your image uh, categorization and pulling those dynamic URLs. Kind of feels like slow Newsweek. <laughs> A little bit. But kind of neat. Yeah. I mean, I just want to talk about frowny faces on reports. Yeah, really. <laughs> I want that. I want that down arrow to be all sad faces, and I want up arrows to be all happy faces. That's, nice. That's how all my reports look. So, but uh, yeah, a little slow news week, but uh, good to see something that you know Crystal Reports had forever ago. <laughs> yeah, sense. there you go. God, I loved Crystal Reports. Oh, I was certifying Crystal Reports. Nice. Uh, I still occasionally will pull it out. Uh, I'll download the 30-day trial and just play with it because it takes me back. <laughs> it's still relatively the same product. It hasn't changed much in 10 years since I got certified. Well. So. <laughs> Unless you use their, like, all their Crystal Report server stuff, which is a whole different complexity that I kind of lost interest in. Uh, AWS Site-to-Site -Site VPN now supports certificate authentication for connections to Amazon Transit Gateway. Uh, this allows you to support digital certificates for internet key exchange authentication. 
Uh, you can take advantage of the added security and flexibility that digital certificates offer, including the ability to not have a static IP address on the other endpoint. Uh, this allows you to set up a private certificate authority, set up a subordinate CA for that, and then deploy those certificates to every client that needs to connect to the gateway. Uh, this is really great for more mobile uh, devices that may be switching cell phone networks or you think IoT type applications. Um, they will not always have a dedicated IP address, but you may want to have a VPN ter uh, termination there on that device. And so this allows you to do that. Yeah, I'd imagine tons of satellite offices too that just don't get static IPs from their internet service provider. Yeah, it's true. Like, you know, Comcast and all those yeah. other things. It's, it costs money to get static IPs now, yeah. especially with IPv4 uh, running low. <laughs> you may not be yeah. able to get a static IP as often as you used to be able to. Uh, Amazon is charging the Pentagon uh, that they are trying to uh, give a shoe into Microsoft from the do-over on the contested Jedi bid. Uh, so we talked a couple weeks ago about uh, Amazon winning that stay of execution against the judge uh, about the particular storage technology that did not meet the requirements of the DOD. Uh, and that was the reason why they said that the contract was awarded prematurely and, and unfairly to Microsoft. Uh, so the DOD came out I think a week ago or so and said that they'd like to reopen the bidding process to uh, resolve these issues. Uh, but they, apparently Amazon is unhappy that they are specifically limiting it to just this particular item uh, and saying this completely ignores all the other issues with the bid, including logical isolation and security data transfer, the tactical edge, information security and access controls, application and data hosting and portability, management and task order 001 capabilities and demonstrations. Uh, so they're saying, you know, it's not so fast. You're just trying to fix the one thing we caught you on. Uh, versus actually fixing all of the issues we found in the awarding of the contract. Wouldn't it be ironic if they duke it out for like, I mean, I know this will never happen, but they duke it out for like 18 months on this contract, and then in the end, Oracle wins? <laughs> it could happen. Oracle's doing a lot of FedRAMP stuff I've been watching very closely. Uh, that'd be awesome. We should buy some Oracle stock just in case. As long as NetSuite revenue doesn't tank with all this COVID stuff, they'll be fine. Uh, but if NetSuite starts going off the rails, that's going to Oracle's going to be in trouble. Amazon Kinesis data streams now support scaling up to 10,000 megabits per second throughput with a single API call. This update shard account API allows you to scale up to 10,000 shards for a single data stream. Uh, this allows you to process over 10,000 megabits per second of ingress and 2 megabits of egress throughput. Uh, as each shard can handle one megabit and two megabits, respectively. Uh, updating the shard count is an async operation, and Kinesis data streams perform split or mergers on individual shards to update the shard count. Sounds like a lot of throughput. It's a lot of work, yeah. They're talking about the, some of the use cases of this were uh, click streams, financial transactions, social media feeds, and uh, anything in that social media graph. Right. Yeah. So if you want to you take a lot of Twitter feed into your, uh, your Kinesis data stream for some reason, uh, this will allow you to do that pretty quickly. I do not. Uh, <laughs> it's a pretty big fire hose. There's my idea. And then uh, our final Amazon story, they've introduced the new voicemail for Amazon Connect. Uh, this Amazon Connect, of course, is their call center product. And uh, if you wanted to use voicemail solutions in the past, you'd use a third-party capability. Uh, but now you can add that natively uh, with this process. This is a CloudFormation template, uh, which sets up the architecture with necessary AWS services to provide Amazon Connect agents with voicemail features, such as voicemail recordings and transcription. Uh, if you look at the CloudFormation code, it deploys Amazon Kinesis video streams, data streams for Kinesis, AWS Lambda, DynamoDB, S3, API Gateway, Transcribe, CloudFront, and Cognito, uh, which has quite a few services, but none of them are EC2. So. Uh, this is all very serverless in its methodology, but uh, it's interesting because normally Amazon kind of builds these primitives and just manages this for you on the back end. Uh, but in this case here, they're actually asking you to do that with CloudFormation and, and run it in your own account. Yeah, and you'd imagine they'll probably take it from here to being something that is um, more under the hood and, and uh, slicker 
service, but it's cool to see how easy it is. I mean, this is a super quick uh, sort of path to market for a product. Amazon's got a use case they want. They just use their own services through a CloudFormation template together. It's like anybody could do. And they could release it ASAP. It's super cool. I assume that this is maybe an answer to, you know, customers who need the solution now and wanted Amazon to provide something. And Amazon's like, well, it'll take us a little while longer to build a service, but we can give you something today that will work and scale exactly very yeah. large. So it's nice to see some of these uh, kind of coming out a little quicker versus waiting for the full platform as a service to catch up. Yep. Moving on to our Google friends. Uh, the Forrester Research uh, has named Google Cloud a leader among public cloud development and infrastructure platforms. Uh, they're pleased to be the leader in the first time this Forrester wave has ever been created. Uh, of course, they are a leader right behind Microsoft and AWS. <laughs> Forrester, <laughs> hi Forrester highlighted the global expansion and innovative development services of Google Cloud. And Forrester also gave Google uh, the highest possible scores in reliability, storage, services, and security certifications. Uh, so, well, pretty nice for Google. Uh, I did read through the more detailed Forrester wave, and uh, they had pretty positive things about Google on their expansion globally, uh, in particular on data center growth. And uh, but they did comment about Visual Studio. Uh, you know, that really kind of gives Microsoft the edge. Uh, they are the number one in this particular Forrester wave. And then they talked about some of the ID, cloud IDE stuff from AWS and some of the other things uh, like Lambda that really helped uh, AWS kind of maintain its number two place. So uh, I think Google has a little ways to catch up, but maybe some of that no-code stuff in the future will, will give them a hand. Maybe. I just downloaded Visual Studio Code, and it's going to be replacing Atom for me. Yeah, so that was my, my New Year's resolution, was to move off of Sublime Text uh, to VS Code, and I've yeah. been very happy with my pivot. Um, sometimes there's a couple of annoyances. Uh, I ran into a couple of bugs, particularly with extensions, uh, that I had to truck down through GitHub issues and, and try to figure out what's wrong with the code. But uh, otherwise, it was a pretty, pretty smooth uh, transition, and I love being able to have Docker containers right there to test code, which is really great, all natively embedded. Yep, I now have so much learning to do with that. We'll see how deep I get into it. I don't do that much coding anymore, but we will see how it goes. It's funny, I use my IDE for notes and meetings. I use it for everything. Because nah. <laughs> all, my, all my notes are in GitHub and, and stored right. and synced well, there as, you go. as push requests. So I'm just, actually going to be writing some uh, Ruby code, or Ruby on Rails. So nice. We'll see. You put that into uh, some Lambda functions, maybe? No, it's a, it's a Ruby on Rails app that runs on old school servers. Oh, nice. But that's okay. It's pretty fun. We do all our uh, resource scheduling through a custom tool. So that's pretty cool. Hey, everyone. Jonathan here. I just wanted to take a minute to thank the cloud consulting gurus at Foghorn for helping make the CloudPod possible. These folks truly get it. Cloud consulting experts since 2008. They are premier tier partners with AWS, Google Cloud Platform Silver, and Microsoft Azure partners. From multi-cloud to containers to moving full production workloads to the cloud under the tightest compliance, Foghorn's team of full-stack cloud engineers have been there, done that, gotten the t-shirt, and are ready to share their experience with you. If you're in the market for some talent to supplement your team, visit www.fogops.io slash thecloudpod. www.fogops.io slash thecloudpod. Foghorn, the promise of cloud delivered. Well, the uh, at the virtual game uh, conferences last week, uh, Google announced, or Google, first of all, this article talks about the uh, Agonies project, which is an open source game server hosting this and the scaling project built on Kubernetes, which was co-founded by Google Cloud and Ubisoft uh, to offer a simpler option to host game servers. Mm -hmm. And for those of you who are familiar with game servers, uh, typically, uh, if you think about a very large game like World of Warcraft or 
uh, Fortnite or any of these things, you know, they require dedicated hardware. They require fleets of these servers in multiple regions to give you the best latency possible. And, tra- and you know, managing and scaling these fleets of servers can be very challenging and very costly, mm-hmm. especially if the game doesn't work. <laughs> so you spend you know, <laughs> millions of dollars and no one plays your game. It's really a, a pretty big sunk cost. And it can actually make or break a lot of games that would have maybe, you know, found, had found an indie following and would have lasted for a long, lot longer. But because they had all this extra debt, tied to servers actually go out of business and can't really uh, fund those games long term which is really a bummer for a community who may like the game uh, but anyways the uh, agonies project uh, now has the new ability of google game servers beta uh, this is a new service that allows you to run a managed service offering of agonies uh, whereas agonies is a deal for managing regional game server clusters game servers supercharges agonies to simplify managing global multi-cluster game server fleets uh, if you're already running agonies in production you can opt into the managed service by simply registering agonies managed game server clusters with a new game servers api and you can also opt out at any time so you can take this one in and out of the managed service which is pretty interesting uh, so if you're you know, massively scaling very quickly and you need more control uh, you can do that if you're in a more steady state you can give it to the managed service and they'll keep it patched and updated and, and working as you want it to which is pretty nice that's super cool. Is it, it, do you pay per just like underlying hardware or is it actually so some it, other abstracted like per, yeah, per request? So it runs on clusters running on top of GKE. So you're paying for your GKE clusters uh, and hardware okay. for that. And then they are working on a hybrid and multi-cloud support for this later this year, which I assume might be on Anthos. Um, and they're also working on advanced scaling policies, deeper integration to matchmaking framework, uh, and much more. Uh, but yeah, this is a really nice solution for gaming companies. And I can see why we've seen a lot of gaming companies go towards Google, uh, with this kind of partnership. And that's a exploding space right now with everybody at home. Oh yeah. That and porn, I think is the two biggest growth areas. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> and, and video conferencing and teleconferencing, but yeah. Yeah, those th- those three segments are uh, killing it right now. Well, uh, speaking of Kubernetes and uh, all things security, Azure has released with the Security Center the new Kubernetes service uh, protections. Uh, Azure contends that there is still a lack of understanding on how to secure a Kubernetes environment properly, and defending the attack surface of a containerized app requires expertise to ensure the infrastructure is configured securely and constantly monitored. Uh, security defense includes discovering visibility of AKS instances with registered subscriptions, security recommendations to comply with security best practices for AKS. Uh, these might be things as simple as role-based access control should be used to restrict access to Kubernetes service cluster, or threat protection via continuous analysis of your AKS deployments, security center alerts, you to threats and malicious activities detected on the host and AKS cluster level. Uh, this, of course, is part of security center, so there is a charge associated to it. Uh, the Azure pricing page has not been updated yet uh, for this coming out of preview, but the preview pricing was about uh, a hundredth of a penny uh, for per virtual core per hour. Uh, and I expect that pricing will be probably about double that. The CPYC is preview is about half the price of production. Right. Yeah. More security is better, right? I, I think we see that as being one of the biggest issues people are concerned about when moving to production workloads with Kubernetes as its underlying infrastructure. Yeah, securing Kubernetes can be pretty complex, especially when you start factoring in uh, service mesh and uh, secrets management and uh, you know connectivity between different pods and and uh, partitions. It's it's a lot. And even if you're doing all that right, it's really hard to explain that to auditors. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what do you mean you what do you mean you can't look at the traffic on the Asia, on the Kubernetes node? Well, you know, it's into a into a encrypted uh, sidecar and we can't see it. So. Yeah. It's pretty tough. 
Uh, well, if you're using Azure Cache for Redis, uh, you can now reserve capacity. Uh, this will save you up to 55% by reserving your Azure Cache for one year or three year term. The reservation discount will automatically apply to your matching resources, so there's no need to make changes to them or receive the reservation discount. Uh, Azure Cache for Redis reservations includes instant size flexibility enabled by default. Saving money is always good. <laughs> Less money, better. Yeah. Uh, have you heard of the uh, Azure Front Door, uh, Peter? You know, I just heard about it prior to talking to you. <laughs> you had to shut the front door on this one. But if you didn't know, the Azure Front Door is the CDN for Azure. Uh, it's their CloudFront competitor. Uh, and they have several new updates for us in March, including support for uh, wildcard hosts and domains, uh, configuring idle timeouts, minimum um, time support layer security or TLS version capability, health probe configuration improvements, easier lockdown for backends, and disabling certificate name check for backends. And again, shut the front door. Shut the front door. You know, and I'd love to see their pricing. If it's anything like Amazon's, it's just the writing is on the wall for companies. The older ones like Akamai, and then from, you know, moving forward, you want to look at how these guys are competing with some of the up-and-comers in the space right now. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely competitive. So they, depending on how many zones you want to have enabled for outbound and inbound data transfer through Azure Front Door. Uh, so for a single zone, the first 10 terabytes a month will cost you about 17 cents per gigabyte. Uh, if you want to go through uh, five zones, uh, it jumps up to 34 cents per gigabyte per month. Oh. And, then, and then it scales down from there. So up to, uh, if you're doing over 100, or 100, well, over 150, you have to contact them. So I, I don't know on that. But the uh, next 100 terabytes, uh, 50 to 150 terabytes per month is only about 0 0.13 per gigabyte in zone one. And it's uh, 0 0.245 per gigabyte in zone five. So Isn't Amazon's like start at like eight cents per gigabyte? I think it does, yes. They have a little ways to go. There's also uh, routing rules that you pay for, uh, inbound data transfers, and front-end hosts or custom domains. So the first 100 domains are free, and then every additional domain after the first 100 costs you $5. Uh, there's also a WAF capability on the front door service and the, can, the standard uh, other uh, CDM pricing items that you need. That is so great, though, when you just throw your WAF. If your CDN could be your front door for everything, uh, you know, that's that's the perfect service to be able to share with lots of other companies so that when I'm getting DDoS, um, it's, you know, balancing out from when the other guys are getting. We don't all have to buy for the peak for our front door. Mm -hmm. Exactly. You can get a, a average size front door versus a large one. Yeah. yeah. All right. I think we've, uh, we've, dropped, we've driven that analogy to the ground at this point. <laughs> <laughs> We're stuck in our houses. We, what else do you expect true. us to do? I can't, I can't even go out my front door right now. I mean, like, it's, yeah. it's tough these days. Well, uh, speaking of Visual Studio Code, Peter, uh, you can now deploy to Azure directly from Visual Studio Code with the new Azure extension. Uh, this new release allows you to launch and deploy uh, to Azure via VS Code. And this new extension allows developers to work in Visual Studio Code to seamlessly create, build, and deploy their apps in a continuous manner to the cloud without leaving the editor. The Deploy to Azure extension works with both GitHub Actions and Azure Pipelines, and it auto drains to CI/CD pipeline definition that takes care of building and deploying your app to the cloud with Azure. Uh, and you can also deploy it directly from your local system or use the repo or GitHub, uh, and with expansions to additional Git repos sometime in the future. Uh, you know, this is how Beanstalk became popular. <laughs> it was the default way you deployed when you installed it with Visual Studio uh, and with Amazon's tool. So that's how I think Beanstalk became such so popular. But uh, this is a great way to get into Azure easily for those Visual Studio Code users. And just GitHub Actions in general. Um, seems like they're doing that right. Uh, getting lots of kudos from our 
engineers around that. Well, the fact that it auto-generates the CI/CD pipeline definition is super handy. Like, why why can't all apps do that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not there's not that many ways to build applications in my my experience. You know, there's a certain way to build .NET. There's a certain way to build Python. There's a certain way to like GoLang or Ruby. Like, it should all be really simple. But uh, yep. unfortunately, we continue to build and invent uh, pipelines all the time. It feels like. I agree. We're, we're actually trying to do, we're hoping to have a few productized pipelines out before the end of this year, uh, which would be interesting. But it's always tough. It seems, it's weird. It's one of those things where it seems like 90% of the work is all the same. And then for some reason, everyone's stuff ends up completely different <laughs> by the time we're done with it. So we'll see how it goes when we go through the process. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see. We'll definitely have to tell us about it when it comes out. Sure. Uh, Microsoft is expanding the Azure Stack Edge with the new NVIDIA GPUs now in preview. Uh, Azure Stack Edge is their uh, on-premise version of Azure. Uh, you can buy this from Dell or from uh, HP or buy it directly from Azure with no upfront uh, capital costs. Uh, this was originally announced in uh, the Mobile World Congress in November, uh, and there was, but it was a pretty limited private beta, and this is now open to almost all Azure customers who want to take the capabilities of machine learning, NVIDIA T4 Tensor Cores, and bring that to their uh, local data centers or their local uh, low work locations. Yeah, you know, I was super excited when Amazon came out with Outposts, and obviously this is filling the exact same need. And um, so far, I haven't had any requests to help customers with this. Um, I thought there were some really good use cases, but I think the jury's still out on whether or not people are going to really flock to this as a, their solution for hybrid. Azure Stack has been out for quite a while now. There are definitely a lot of more customers using Azure Stack than are using Outposts. Um, I think we talked about Outposts pricing-wise. I think it was priced expensive to keep demand down while they work out the kinks. And so I suspect that we'll see at some point in the next 12 months some type of price cut for Outposts that'll really start driving more people to look at it seriously. I think right now it's it's priced competitively enough so that it there's an ROI, but it's a very small ROI. Uh, and it still doesn't support VMware on-premise, which is the big the big sell, I think, for a lot of companies. Um, mm. So we'll see as that kind of comes out in the next few months, uh, I hope. We will see. We will see. Uh, so according to the register, uh, Azure appears to be full in the UK. Uh, customers on Azure are reporting capacity issues such as the inability to create resources and associated reliability issues. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, we don't typically talk about this. This isn't the first time the UK uh, region has been picked on because they've had a couple of problems with capacity there in the past, um, which, you know, maybe due to tariffs and trying to get equipment into place and data center space in UK is at a premium price. And there's lots of reasons why they might be having that issue in the in that region. Uh, but, you know, the part that was kind of interesting to me was in the article they talked about uh, Microsoft has made a statement that if faced with capacity constraints, the top priority will be going to first responders, health and emergency management services, critical government infrastructure, and ensuring remote workers stay up and running with the core functionality of Teams. Uh, which I think they mean by Microsoft Teams. Uh, so, so to me, that's that's a little concerning, especially in this time of COVID, where you know those services will definitely need capacity. And if you're if you're going to start impacting my systems or potentially even shutting down my systems in the name of that, while from a social good perspective, I'm super happy you're going to do that. From a business SLA perspective, I'm super unhappy with you. Yeah, but I mean, you know, our, so they've stated their priorities, but. If any region in any cloud is oversubscribed, you know what are the SLOs uh, or SLAs on uh, on unreserved capacity? Pretty yeah, I mean, nothing, I, I think right? again, I think you like you have the ability to do capacity reservations in Amazon, right, to avoid yep. this exact scenario. Yep. 
Um, you know, but Amazon also has GovCloud and they have a couple other things to kind of, you know, that they can dedicate resources to there as well. Uh, but yeah, it was just, you know, one of those statements that you see in an article and you're like, Ooh, I don't know why you guys said that. <laughs> Cause it, yeah. it makes me doubt so much more. <laughs> just, just want, just want to make sure that you know that you're last in line. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, Oh, Learn. okay. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. Thank, thanks for that. I really appreciate it. Ooh. <laughs> All right. Well, that's it for new news. Peter, you want to take us uh, to the lightning round? Yes. Yeah, so we're not going to score tonight because obviously we're missing. Well, obviously, our, you uh, give it to you give it to yourself. You obviously, give it to yourself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> missing our hero, Jonathan. But um, we'll cruise through the uh, the lightning round here, starting with Azure Storage. A pen blob immutability support is now generally available. The blob. The blob. <laughs> Uh, Azure Sentinel generally available as well in Azure government. Because what I want in my government systems is a Sentinel always yeah, watching, watching, always watching onboard on-prem servers to security center with, from windows admin center. I mean, as much as I want Microsoft to have even more idea how much I'm spending with Microsoft licensing on my data center, I don't know that I want this. <laughs> no, maybe, maybe. You never know. Sounds like a good way to get audited real quick. <laughs> <laughs> how about HTTP raw logs for Azure uh, CDN? How do you feel about that? I mean, I guess on Monday Night Raw, you need to see those logs. I don't know. <laughs> Ooh, it's pretty good. I almost <laughs> want to give you a point, even though I, I'm not allowed. <laughs> I get a virtual point. Yeah. Amazon EC2 hibernation now lets you pause and resume your workloads on T2 instance types. Which is only because the T3s are not in the free tier. <laughs> and my favorite, you can now execute chef recipes on Linux with AWS Systems Manager. I guess that's what happens when you piss off a chef and you don't want to keep selling their server product. Just make it so you run chef solo through Systems Manager. You don't even need chef server. <laughs> so nice. What happened to Opsware? Is this make is this declaring opsworks dead or i guess opsworks lifecycle management it still has a place i think it still has a place i think this gives you more flexibility to use chef in a lot more areas that's sort of managed versus using um opsworks which has its limitations it did but it also had its uh fun we had lots of fun with that it's cool yeah i, I still enjoy it actually I, it hasn't really got a lot of new features lately i don't think i've I don't think we've mentioned Opsworks in a while on the show. That's what I'm concerned about. I know. And uh, in the industry where every product has two news releases every week. Yeah. Yeah. Moving on, Azure database for MySQL, Postgres, and MariaDB can now get three years of reserved capacity. Because Microsoft finally realized that they can't get people to move to Microsoft SQL Server in less than three years. <laughs> Perfect. AWS Global Accelerator launches TCP termination at the edge. You've been terminated. Oof. And to close it out, AWS License Manager now allows you to track Oracle database licenses on Amazon RDS. Just more tools for Oracle lawyers to make me pay more money. Thank you. I think this is, this is step one in winning the Jedi contract. Step one. This is it. <laughs> step one, Oracle plays nice with AWS. Step two, yeah. or Oracle wins the Jedi contract. Victory <laughs> is ours. And that's it for the lightning round. No winners, no winners. I, I don't take that virtual point, though. I'll take the honorary point. Yes, you get it. You absolutely, that was a good one. Well, uh, that is another fantastic week. Uh, I mean, again, we, we have nothing to look forward to because everything's canceled. I mean, although Reinforce is still not canceled as of recording today on March 26th. 
you know, but I, I, I have more and more doubts about end of June being a real thing. So uh, that's, a, that's a little bit unfortunate, but uh, we'll see how, how it keeps going out there in the world. And hopefully things start turning, that curve starts bending. That's what we need to have happen. That's true. I think we're taking advantage of the low prices right now because we have a potential wedding that we're going to in uh, like September, October in Hawaii. Nice. And uh, yeah, flights have come down to like 400 bucks to go to Hawaii. So That's great. Yeah, I was looking at... Uh... Southwest was offering like a $39 fare sale, which I haven't seen in years from Southwest. And, uh, but I need, I need tickets in November and they're not out that far yet. So I have to wait. Yeah. But, uh, you know, maybe they'll, maybe they'll still be low for my trip in, in October. So. Consolation prize for staying at home for weeks or months. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, between my kids, nonstop meetings at work and, you know, not being able to leave my house, I might need a vacation from my, my house <laughs> just to get away once this is all over. Just, I need to, you have some alone time and just sit, sit by myself. I'm getting intimately familiar with my apartment. You suddenly realize that, oh, I really, sh- we really should replace this kitchen. We really should remodel it. And, <laughs> and oh, yeah, we should remodel this bathroom. Like, you're right. This is really not functional. All jokes aside, though, us being still employed and able to work from home and without family who are ill or seriously ill, we're the lucky ones. So I am not uh, complaining. No, I'm, I'm not complaining either. I, yeah. I do hope we all stay healthy and, and well and all of our coworkers and friends and everybody and our listeners as well, uh, that you all stay healthy. Remember to wash your hands and uh, socially distance yourselves by listening to a podcast. I mean, that's the best way to socially distance I've ever heard. <laughs> uh, and if you have friends who are like, I'm looking for, you know, I'm looking for something to fill the quietness of my office, you know, tell them about the podcast. They can listen to it. Uh, why they work and, and learn something new. Maybe get distracted by uh, Ruby on Rails or or Chef on Systems Manager. All there you go. <laughs> all kinds of fun things to do. All right. Uh, well, and that is the week in cloud. Uh, we like to thank our sponsors, Foghorn Consulting. Check out our website, the home of the Cloud Pod, where you can join our newsletter, Slack team, send feedback, or ask questions at thecloudpod.net or tweet us with hashtag pound the cloud pod. And that is it. See you next week, Peter. See you next week. Stay safe. And that is The Week in Cloud. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Foghorn Consulting. Subscribe on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts and tweet us your feedback at hashtag thecloudpod. Or join our Slack channel, go to our website, thecloudpod.net, for sign-up instructions. Mm-hmm.